regard me in the paint, I'm an artist See, I hustle on the flow, call me Rick Ross See the truth, get it, jumping like a tip-off I play hard till I hit a rep, blow the whistle I'm a player, but my game be so official All right, Shooters, welcome back to another episode of The Hoop Troop Brought to you by Shooters Touch Man, basketball season's picking up We have a lot of great games, a lot of things to talk about Have my guys with me in the house No Adam again uh, Larson, are you all right? Is that? Yeah, you I'll I'll make it. I, I <laughs> this is a work related. He's got uh, he's got something he's got to get done for work. So we'll we'll give yeah, him a pass I'm again on this one. Cut him a little slack, but I uh, got everybody else. We have a lot to talk about, and so we're gonna jump right into this. Get this going. As always, we start with little coach's corner. Talk to our uh, our two coaches that we have in the house and go over some some things. I want to talk uh, a little mini series about building culture. Obviously, culture and building culture is a little bit of a, a buzzword and a hot topic, but we want to take a little bit different look at this, and we're going to kind of stretch this out over three episodes here and look at different parts of building culture, because it's one thing to build it in the gym with the guys that you're with every day, and then there are a couple of elements that go along with this as well, and one of those we're going to focus on today, and that's building culture with the parents and dealing with parents just in general. Um, obviously, a couple of old dogs that we have in the house, you've done this for a long time and had a lot of different parents and a lot of different situations that came up uh, throughout your guys's coaching careers. And so what advice can you help any of young coach or new coaches to the business as far as building that culture first, but building it through parents and trust and expectations, and then ultimately dealing when some issues come up and how you address and handle the parents. I love that you brought that up. And one thing, the first thing I thought of is so many times when you think about dealing with parents, you think about reactive interactions with parents after you guys are parents upset about something. And my mind in like giving us an opportunity to chat just a little bit. And my advice would be, don't think about reactively communicating with parents. Think about what you can do proactively in before anything happens to develop that relationship. And the two things that came to my mind right away were one, um, I, and I have no idea when I started doing this, but for, for, for as long as I can remember, every Sunday night, I would send just kind of a, it wasn't a blog or anything, but just a weekly email communicating with parents. It would give a little recap and maybe just some of the things I think our team's doing really well, not just wins and losses, but like, hey, here's some things we've really been focusing on in practice. Maybe if there are some other cultural things that we've been working on, I might address it with parents there. And then um, obviously just stay really uh, ahead of like schedules and, you know, if they have to do the concession stand schedule or things like that, just to kind of get that out of the way. And then the second one, which I personally think is so important is um, just being consistent so that parents have somewhat of an idea what to expect when they show up on a Tuesday or Friday night. And I do think that's our responsibility as coaches, and it makes for a way better experience for coaches, parents, players, meaning, you know what, if there's a kid who's not going to be in the rotation, not that I would call and tell a parent that, but I'd make sure, I'd even say to the player, hey, and maybe talk to your parent about this tonight, that, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know, we're, we're mixing things up, or you're not going to start tomorrow night. That's obviously a big one, right? They shouldn't show up on Tuesday night and all of a sudden then there's a crowd, a buzz in the crowd because they're like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Why, why isn't he starting? And the parents go, if, if, if we are making changes like that, I'd always try and communicate to the kids and not have surprises. 
I, I felt the same way in our substitution rotation. If a kid's going to the bench and everybody in the crowd is like, and more specifically parents, right? But if they're like, who's he going in for? Hopefully by this time of year, especially, there, there's a little bit of predictability. And I always thought that took away some of the feeling that like I have overarching, that we're in this together and I'm going to try and do a good job of communicating before you're angry or upset about something. Good stuff. I would say, I would, I would echo all those things Chris said. And uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to even start earlier. You know, uh, there was years when I was coaching where we would, uh, uh, we'd actually have to have cuts. Some schools never have to have cuts. We had years where we had to have cuts and they were difficult. Uh, nobody let in. And I was not a fan of uh, just posting. These are the 15 guys that made the team on the board. That's not the way that I chose to do it. Uh, and so I, my communication would even start, you know, after those first few days of tryouts, I would call those kids parents that we had to, you know, that did make the team. And I would, I would make that, I would have that discussion with them and let them know so that they, they could hear it from me. And that they, then I, then I would meet with that, that student athlete uh, during the day and let them know. So that when they went home at night, mom and dad, they'd already heard from me. They knew their kid was had, probably going to have a bad day, but I think that helps build your culture as well, because your culture is not just those 15 guys on your team. That, they, that culture is maybe hopefully all those kids that, played basketball wanting to play for Norwalk or Heelan or Carroll from third grade on and then weren't part of that team. So that's your, to me, that's your expanded culture to, to make sure they still have a good feeling about your program. Uh, the number two things, I think you just have to be honest, you know, and honest doesn't mean mean honest just means, you know, tell the kids, you know, what they bring to the team. Uh, again, make sure that gets back to the parents. If, especially those kids that aren't seeing playing time, you know, let, let those parents know throughout the season, you know, boy, Johnny is, he is, he's guarding uh, Nate Funk all day in practice. He is, he has been making his, his life hell. And uh, that's what he's bringing to the team. So, so they know that you see the value in those things. And just the one last thing on a communication deal, but I, and maybe we shared this before, but I, I know other schools do this too. Uh, you know, when you're kicking off that season, you're having that preseason meeting, you're looking at, uh, boy, I mean, we, we could play 10 kids, but you know, we, we got two returning all staters. They're going to take a lot of playing time. I used to have all the kids write down on a piece of paper, how many minutes they'd like to play in a game. You know, you add that up and it's always, you know, there's only 160 minutes to hand out. And when you explain that to the parents that, Hey, by the way, but the kids wanted, you know, when I added these numbers up, there was 320 minutes of playing time they were hoping for. We only have 160 to hand out. I think that gives perspective to the job that you as a coach have to do. And, Parents used to thank me saying, yeah, that makes a lot more sense now. I guess I guess Johnny's probably not going to play as much as I think he is. But uh, again, I think the biggest thing to build culture is just making sure that the kids know how valuable they are to your program and uh, communication. Yeah, that all sounds great and fine and dandy, guys. But reality, what, what do you do with the parent in the stands that's coaching Johnny? Uh, it's, it's funny you brought that up, Doug. I went to last night, I was watching Council Bluffs Abraham Lincoln in Omaha play Platteview. And my son coaches in Omaha and he says, dad, watch this kid from Platteview. Every time there's a free throw, he will come to the other side and talk to his dad in the stands. I had those, believe me, that didn't last long. We used to have some real, uh, those, if those things in my program, we'd have a real critical conversation about who we're communicating with. Okay, so I got a, uh, another question. What if uh, Chris, 
you, um, your coach from Bowen, great player, obviously, you know, all state, he goes 0 for 9 in the first half. And do you, would you have a problem if his dad talked to him at halftime? Like coming through the tunnel, hey, you know, he kind of caught him. Hey, this is what you're doing with your four or whatever. Kind of coached him for 20 seconds. Would you have a problem with him doing that? And, it, and it, maybe it's once, maybe it's twice. You know, he doesn't, it's not all the time, but oh, he, he's, he's consistent. To, yeah. And and honestly, here's here's what I would hope. And I think I would would communicate to any parent if that ever got to be kind of part of a problem. I would just tell them, and, and I used to, I'd say this at our, I actually would say it at our preseason meeting. I would say, watch film with your dad, you know, like, or mom, but it's particularly your dad. And I said, you give them tips, you do whatever, but on game night, they're mine. And so I, the only reason I hesitated was, I don't know if we're at the state, you know, I'm thinking like a state tournament and he's like, saying, hey, you know, get your elbow up. I, I don't know that I really care. You, you know what I mean? If it's a walk by, if this is a consistent pattern though, I kind of refer back to it and say, hey, remember, watch all the film you want to with him. Talk to him when you get home. And I always tell him that, like one thing I really changed as I got older was not thinking, I, and, and I think you have to change. Don't look at it like, like you are the czar of basketball. You have it all. They have a lot of different coaches. You know, a lot of times their parents have invested a lot of things in them. So I always said, you know, don't, don't worry. You're not offending me if you, you share some thoughts. But on game night, it's hard enough for them to, to have great communication with me and their teammates. We can't muddy that with everybody else saying stuff. If I let Bowen's dad do that, then how can I tell everybody else that they can? And then where does it end, right? Right. Yeah, and I guess... I kind of came at it from a parent's perspective, having kids play. And I mean, you've shot thousands and thousands and thousands of shots with your kid. Yeah. And you're like, you know, you know, it's a, they're playing Grinnell and it's a big game. Uh, and you know, your daughter's, her footwork's been messed up and you're like, just change your footwork. And you know, it would change things. And from a parent, I would always just sit back and I would never do that. But I was tempted a couple times because I know it would make a difference, but I never did. But and I'm just wondering, you know, what the coach, as from you guys, hey, if this is for the little Hawkeye title, and if Bowen gets one little tip, it's going to help him. That's, then, that's the perspective I, then, that I was. Uh, then, then fine. Yes, if that's the <laughs> scenario, then tell him. <laughs> I just think, yeah, it's, it's a weird question. I mean, right. we and typically that. that parent, it's not one time. The people that are doing that are doing it all the time. Right. Right. So then how do you, you just cut it off? Say, Hey, we can't oh. be having this. That's what I do, but I, but I'm old school. I, I don't, I'm, you know, remember I'm the guy that doesn't like guys point threes to their fingers when they make threes and uh, running out at the end of the starting lineup lines and, and doing dances. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm anti-fun. <laughs> I do guys slept on cops back in the day. Tom, I could see Tom doing a couple too smalls, though, back in the day. where he just gave them <laughs> I just think you have to ask yourself, is it a productive conversation? You know what I mean? So I know I've seen a couple guys in the last couple of years that um, have had that problem where you could tell they were putting too much focus on their family in the stands. And... Um, if it's not productive, then I think Tom's right. You have to have a courageous conversation. If it's casual and it's not hurting, like you know, like you said, they're jogging out at, and they're just shooting, and you know, a dad's like, "Hey, 
make sure you know right i, I don't even know like what Put it this way, I, I'd be much more likely to accept a dad standing at the, by the stairwell as we come out of the locker room to give it, you know, a pointer on shooting than when we're in a 20-second timeout and he, the kid's looking up into the stands with mom and dad. That's not mm -hmm. happening. Right, right. And you, no, I, I get that. bad example, too, because you are talking about, you know. <laughs> yeah, an NBA coach. Hey, yeah. <laughs> I would be silly to not think he could have a – plethora of knowledge and so i i mean that i think that goes with what we were saying though too like it goes with all parents i never mind talking about i always tell parents kind of to wrap that up like i always tell parents that it's my job to be tougher on myself than any of you possibly can be about your kid and so i promise you i am evaluating everything when i watch film i'm taking good hard looks at kids in practice and i said i'm not out here to just screw anyone over like I'm trying to do what's best for the team. And now you're right, Doug, you got to be consistent with everybody if you're going to do it that way. Right. That's good. And it, is, and it is hard too. And we've all been on the other side too, and been a parent um, and been able to provide advice. And that, that part can be, can be very difficult too. And I, I think that we speak for all of us too, when it's like specifics about your kid or things that they do within their game, that's not within the, scheme of the system or what's being done or ran out on the court it's like those little pointers can make it make a huge difference for them and that ultimately impact the team too so you do kind of tiptoe that line and win and how and when's the right time but one other thing before we move off of this so then when conflict does arise um, I'm sure there's been at least a situation and maybe not maybe you guys communicated and and as you said we're um, ahead of things but Coach, or when a parent catches you after a game or catches you outside the locker room, did you guys have a procedure and being like, hey, you know, shoot me an email or call, let's talk on Monday? Or how did you guys address when conflict would, would arise? We we had we have a policy at Healing that, I mean, that you, there is no, you know, unless, you know, a parent wants to congratulate you after a game, hey, great win. But it, we're not certainly not talking about playing time, kid situation, any of that after a game. I mean, it's just not that's and we we addressed that before the season that's just that's a and you know we'll talk about it but it's not going to be for uh, 24 hours after a game 25 years i never had that happen that's huge but that's that's a situation like i said that can most of the time be avoided through communication and uh, parent meeting and setting expectations early on before it gets to that point I, i'm sure if you've coached long enough you've gotten the anonymous letter you know i've gotten an anonymous letter also got an email one time from one of my parents who was actually a relative of mine. And if, and if he's listening, he, he knows who he is and he's going to be laughing about this. But he sent me this email about how I was tearing apart the team and destroying it. This is three page email just blasting me. And my only response was, dear Mike, no matter how much I don't like you, it will not affect your son's playing time, period. <laughs> But I do think it helps you a lot when high school coaching is so different than college because you live in the community with these people, right? And you're going to see them and you're, you're just part of that community. And so I do think, though, the more you can do on the front end to, to establish a respectful relationship and show them that you do care, you know, like Tom said, and I've done that before, like kids, if you have a senior who's not playing much, make sure to take time to 
stop by on Friday night and just say, hey, I just want to tell you, your kid is working his butt off in practice. I know you're not getting to watch it on Friday or shoot him an email or something like that. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I promise anybody, any young coach who's listening, start doing that and you'll see the, the tension lower. Great, great piece of advice for any young coaches that are working through some of the grind that is January basketball and it can, there's a lot coming at you. And so that's uh, hopefully some good advice that they can take with them. Um, moving to our next segment, I want to talk a little bit about home court advantage um, in schools that uh, have, have a unique gym setup that may be different than their league or just has some fun characteristics about the gyms that uh, creates an advantage. Obviously when the team's good, it creates more of an advantage, but even when you kind of, you know, maybe an average year, but it's like, oh, geez, I just going, going there is always difficult, like no matter what their record is. Um, And part of the reason why uh, we bring this up is with uh, Johnston going to Dowling this past Friday, um, interesting setup. It's just completely different at Dowling than it is in the rest of um, the CIML on the suburban side. And so it's, it's a tough place to play. It always has been that way. Granted, those teams are usually very skilled and very good too. That adds to it, but just the, the dynamics of the gym and the way things set up, I, I think the JV girls were the only Johnston team that won on uh, Friday. Otherwise Dowling just uh, ran the table and I, I'm almost positive. Let's see when I was at Johnston, it was a complete flip. Actually, I think the Dowling boys ended up winning the JV two game, but um, Johnson had no problem taking care of business at home. And so it creates an advantage and it's been that way for several years. It's different. Uh, the gym is awesome. It's, you know, got a little bit of that Cracker Jack box feel, which is great. Um, the auxiliary gym, same thing, small, feels like people are on top of you. It's loud. Uh, and so it creates an awesome environment and a fun environment, I would think for the players, but it definitely a home court advantage. And, uh, another one we got to witness this week was Larson heading up to Webster City and taking in Jeff Jim. What were uh, what were some of your takeaways with Jeff Jim? Yeah, you know, uh, Doug will like this too. This was going to be my comparison for that. Doug, remember when Pella Christian, their old gym? That's what it reminded me of was playing in that, where you can almost feel the, the floor. Every time the kid went back and out, you could feel the floor kind of moving. Um, and, and this Jeff Jim, what's so cool is, so you're kind of stacked up in the stands. So I couldn't even see the people below me because there's like three tiers and um, it, it, it got super loud. I, I didn't quite understand. Do they just do a couple games a year still there or is it always clear like? Nope, it's, they do a game. I think one game a year is what the yeah. plan is supposed to be for there just to kind of keep the, the, the memories, I guess. But I, for some reason, I thought that that game was not supposed to be that scheduled game. So I don't know if okay. something happened yeah. with their other gym. Well, they were replacing a water pipe or something in the, in oh, the main gym, so. Well, it worked out for me. It was a lot of fun to see it. Like I said, Pella Christian back in the day. Then uh, the only other one I'll add that you might be surprised by because it's a bigger gym, um, but Newton actually has quite a quirky gym similar to Dowling, I would say. Um, it has a real high balcony and it is something about the acoustics in that gym. It gets so loud. Um, and so I, I, I would add that is probably the most unique home court advantage. There was a them when uh, Garrett Sturtz and Luke Vasky were seniors, we beat them 109 to 106, and in, in I think it was triple overtime. And uh, it might have been the most chaotic 
environment that I, I've ever coached in, in terms of, I don't know, Garrett Sturts had like 43 and, and then Bowen had like 24, Luke had like 37 and hit two games. I mean, it was just, it was not, well, and I, I should add, um, now I, now I can't remember. And there's another division one player in that game too, uh, who played at Drake, uh, from, from Newton. You don't even Connor Golson. There you go. Thank oh, you. Right. Sorry, Connor. He, he was also a very good player. Injuries kind of dampered him, but, uh, so a lot of talent and, but I saw Tony nod his head. That, that's a, that's a fun gym. It's a, it's a loud one. Well, I would say um, probably uh, as I'm texting with Raz Vanderloo that East High is a home court advantage just because they have a uh, private official suites that uh, they're going to stay at. I also, uh, you know, before we built the new school at Healan, the, the, the Northwest Iowa pit, uh was was famous because you know the stage on one side people hanging over you run a by getting kicked by little kids um we had quite an advantage there but the funny thing about that is kids love to come play there and i think that's the other thing when th- those old type gyms kids want to go play there they want to play in that uh, hoosiers mentality type stuff and so unfortunately we're losing all those classic gyms and everyone's building these nice new places and Boys, you know, you pose that question. I'm thinking, gal, who's got an old place? Because that's those are all the, the those, that's where the home court advantages are. These new gyms, they don't, they don't have the mystique yet. Yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly with you on that statement too. And it's something um, thinking of ways in which you can upgrade the facilities because many of them facilities, locker rooms, and weight rooms, some of that stuff. Upgrading that, but finding ways to keep these gyms. I mean, it is something that it would be, I, I know that there's a tons of logistical nightmares that would go into some of that, but there is just an energy and a vibe that comes with some old gyms or with a unique gym. Um, you know, we call a shooter's gym for a reason. You know, you got a nice backdrop. It's, it, it seems to be fun and maybe a little dark in there. Like all those things add to add to the advantage and the mystique of each place. Doug, what do you, what do you got on your mind? What are you thinking for an advantage? You know, Oskaloosa actually has an older gym too, where they have the balcony. But one of the one of the greatest things they had when they had Cole Henry and Xavier Foster, they had a dunk o meter in the corner right below the scoreboard. It was awesome. I mean, they would have six, seven, eight dunks a game when those guys were were going through. So um, I don't know if that's a home court advantage, but it was kind of fun to see. It no longer exists. That's that's good. Tony's been to almost what a hundred gyms in the state of Iowa now. Um, what do you what have you seen out on the trail that you like? Yeah, two two ones that stand out to me over on this side of the state. Um, the pit at North Scott. It's a small gym for a four A school. Um, it gets really really loud in there. Uh, they get they have the student section behind one of the baskets, which is kind of a rarity in in high school gyms. So that that makes it difficult for for kids shooting free throws towards the end of the game. Uh, and then Marshall Gym at Davenport Central is one of those old school gyms where the the floor is about ten feet down from where the the stands start. So it's kind of like you're playing down in like a gladiator arena, which is it's pretty cool. Cool. One well, did we mention last week that Dubuque? seniors too like they have a cool one right yeah theirs is really old it's a it's a fairly basic gym but it's it's old and has a lot of history so it's pretty cool gym you know another one where i ref at marshalltown marshalltown has a roundhouse the roundhouse yeah that's a that's a really unique building because there's a lot of space and to come in there one time to play in that it's it probably is not diff not very uh i'm sure it's very difficult for for teams but 
I would say that'd probably be home home court advantage for Marshalltown. Yeah, that's that's a cool one too. And then Lincoln has a similar uh, roundhouse too. That is a really really neat gym um, that create would create an advantage. It's Tom to your point too. It's it's funny because you create these atmospheres that are so much fun to play in that sometimes it's fun for the visiting team too. So then they get jacked up on a night and which maybe they would not normally, and they're ready to play in a fun gym. And now maybe that advantage goes out the window a little bit, but listeners, if there's some that we forgot, we want to hear about them. If you got some pictures or something, you can send us tag us, tag us when this comes out, we want to see some gyms. We love uh, talking gym North Scott. Is that another one that you mentioned, right? Tom, before we got on. That, I want to go there. That looks like an awesome place. So that that one is uh, would be one, too, that would be interesting to see. But to your point, too, I'm thinking back, like, so Eagle Grove, when I played, they played in basically a silo. Um, they have a new facility now, but, well, it actually was a Quonset. It had, like, the rounded top, and it got loud and crazy in there. St. Ed's had a little Cracker Jack box, too, that was an advantage to them. I don't know if St. Ed's has got a new facility. Someone will let me know on that one. I know Eagle Grove does. Webster City obviously has the new one, but Jeff Jim um, was pretty special. And so it, it is It is sad to see some of these older gyms kind of go away. These new facilities are great. I don't know. There's something something about those old gyms that really, that really kind of make it a lot of fun for everybody that's involved. So with that, let's uh, uh let's. Does anybody know does uh does uh, South Tama still play in that that roundhouse too? They had a really cool roundhouse back when they were in our league too, which was really fun to play in. I think they do, but I'm not sure. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure they do. We're getting a new gym, but I I loved that scoreboard in the middle, which yeah, it was fun. It's funny you say that because so Kiakuk. Um, they have the arena scoreboard in the middle of theirs, which is kind of interesting. I mean, Kikuk, that facility is actually really, really nice. Um, but you go in there and they had the arena scoreboard hanging in the middle. You just, you don't see that, uh, very often at all. And so yeah. it's, it's fun. That's gotta be a little bit, a little bit different looking up and trying to figure that out too, but that's a, that's a cool one as well. Let's move on to last week's spotlight. <laughs> So we're going to spotlight a couple of games that you guys saw that stuck out to you for one reason or another, um, that uh, either a big win or or just something that you saw that you liked in your region or area. Uh, Doug, you're top of my screen. So if you're ready to roll, let's uh, let's touch on your last week's spotlight. Uh, my spotlight. All right. Last week, I brought you the Baxter Bolts, not the Backstreet Boys, the Baxter Bolts. They had two more wins. Let's go. Keep it rolling. I saw Pella play Des Moines Christian. That was a big win for them. They got smoked by Norwalk on Friday, but then it took down my Kemper Knights on Saturday. So two big wins for the Dutch, actually. Um, but my spotlight team is the Moravia Mohawks. They are 14 and one in the Bluegrass Conference. Brian Bickles, their coach. Um, they have two seniors, one averaging 20, one averaging 14. They won't probably make it to the state tournament, but a lot of those schools down south in the, in the Bluegrass, um, they're just not powerful enough. But uh, they're 14 and one. So my spotlight team is the Moravia Mohawks. And I think that's. Mohawks, that would be uh, what kind of a, what kind of a nickname is that? Like the hairdo? Is that what you're talking about? I I don't know. I'm trying to find out. Tom, you what, were what you going to jump in there? Correct? I was going to say I've got a nohawk, not a mohawk. <laughs> mohawk. I have no hair. Larson, what do you uh, what do you got for a spotlight that uh, well, from last week? We talked about it a little bit um, already, just from the gym standpoint. But I had a chance to go up to to Clear Lake and Webster City and. Uh, uh, 
just a really, really good high school basketball game. Um, it's really interesting. The one thing I will tell you that, you know, I just, I did a lot of reflecting, you know, this week, trying to figure out, seeing some of these teams I watched, I watched on film Waverly Shell Rock and then and Charles City. And then obviously I've seen, you know, several of the Raccoon River and Little Hawkeye teams. And uh, I, I came away really impressed, you know, watching Clear Lake and, uh, um, and Webster City and, and obviously two other good teams in their league in, in um, Algona and uh, Humboldt. Humboldt. And yeah. so, so really, really fun atmosphere. Um, Clear Lake, I'm sure Tony knows them. They have a really good sophomore guard. I know they have a good lead guard as well. And um, I can only tell you their numbers. 23 is their lead guard and 25 was their sophomore. And um, I came away really impressed with both of them, but probably even more so with the sophomore. He had a, he had a really good night. And uh, so they have a really strong backcourt, which I always think plays in, in the end of the year in tournament time. Um, but it was funny because a lot of people are asking me, you know, trying to compare some of the other leagues and where they fit in. And I will tell you this year in 3A, I think it is a grab bag. And, and even Bondurant's undefeated, number one. I'm sure Doug will stay on their bandwagon this week for a little longer. However, um, God, I think I've seen like 10, 12 teams that I really think have a chance in the group of competition that they have to put a six-game win streak together in the um, I mean that with all due respect to those two teams because I watched them and I, I thought they're really good teams. They could beat, you know, uh, uh, Newton. They could beat a Xavier. They could beat, you know, um, a, a Bondurant. Then again, I went and watched Pella kind of get run out of the gym by Norwalk on Friday, but I also have seen enough of them to know they're good enough to beat some of these teams too on a given night. Not not saying that I think they'll stretch it for six games, but there there's a lot of parity in 3A this year, and um, it really makes for for fun, exciting basketball. Um, just to touch a little bit on Webster City, they they have two really nice six four. You know, one's more of a an athletic wing, and and one's more of a post, and then a little nose biting guard uh, that just really gets after it. And um, you know, I Tony could probably help me out with some of their names. I can again tell you tell you numbers, but but as as teams, both very well coached, good solid basketball. Um, but what makes here is there's just a lot of good teams. I'm just trying to figure out who's really going to be great in the end and uh, that's kind of where we're at and then obviously I, you know I don't know if we're going to touch upon it Northwest went to Waukee that was the other game of the week I had and uh, uh, Northwest got your excuse me Waukee got their revenge on Northwest and um, got the win at home and so that uh, continues to be quite the hot rivalry and there's there's just things are heating up that's good. A couple things to unpack with that one. So then Webster City turned around and went to Algona on Friday and got taken to overtime, but came out with a win. So that was a a, a tough week for them to obviously have that yeah. clear leg game and then to have to go all the way up to Algona and, and take them on, but came away with the win. And so it will be interesting to see how that league works and how things shake out with clear Lake Humboldt and Webster City, uh, keeping an eye on them. Now, I'm going to be honest, and I'm probably going to make some people mad here, Brian, up in your neck of the woods. But the other thing you got to take into consideration with Webster City is then on Saturday, they did go and play a Gilbert team that I think only has three wins this year and only beat them by six. Right. And, and I think that's good information for people to know. Um, and Tony, you can talk about the 2A rankings committee, but I, I know I can speak for Tom and I. 
that is part of the conversation too, is there can sometimes be losses that are good losses and wins that are bad wins um, in terms of the discussion. Yeah, that's absolutely something that we take into account in our, our discussions too, for sure. Well, and that all kind of shakes itself out. It feels like too, the later you get in the year, because these yep. things start to, as, as things come out, I mean, obviously the committee is doing the best they can to evaluate, but uh, at the end of the day, it, when the rubber meets the road, it's all going to work out the way that it's supposed to. You go tip it up, right? That's right. Uh, to the other point then too, that Waukee Northwest game, um, we got to at least take a second and talk a little bit about some of the athleticism that we saw <laughs> maybe specifically two dunks one for sure i mean we're we're doing between the legs in game dunks now here in iowa like what's going on <laughs> like only when you stand back yeah <laughs> it, it was i mean wild i mean that that game that atmosphere that's the other thing too that the atmosphere whether you were there or not you saw the clips of everything that was going on i mean it was wild um, how many people were there? The student sections were great. Quickly posed the question to me is, I get the rivalry between your crosstown foe, but what about every other Friday night? Like, can half of you show up every other Friday night? Like, what is, what, I mean, there were so many people there, but if you go there on Tuesday, there will be less than a fourth of those people there. And so it's just, I don't know. I mean, you know, we got to find a way to find a middle ground, right? So I, I, I want to actually talk about something with that. And, uh, you know, any of you guys, if you have takes, you know, but I will tell you, one of the things that was so refreshing for me at the Clear Lake Webster City game, loud student sections that actually were cheering the game. And what I mean by that is in the metro area, I'm going to say CML, Little Hawkeye, Raccoon Roof, there is now such an emphasis on what are we all going to wear? And how can we draw attention to ourselves? And I hear a lot, not of cheering about the game, but a lot of who can trash talk the other crowd more and they kind of get into it. And, and it was so refreshing when I went to Clear Lake and, and Webster City because, you know, they're chanting defense at the right time when, when it's a big possession in the game and uh, a little challenge out there. So I couldn't agree more with you with the, the Waukee and, and Northwest, what you were kind of saying there. It's just one of those things that going through the CIML and seeing as many games as I do in that league, it is, it's high level basketball and low level fan student sections. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. it is good. It is great basketball, but you catch a Tuesday night game and it looks um, like a desolate junior college game and you got some high level athletes out there and, you got the parents in the stands. It's just like, what are we like? What are what what is going on that is more important or more fun than this? And I think that was the other thing too. Like, all those kids were having fun out at Waukee. I mean, you can't tell me that wasn't fun for them. Like, let's come and let's let's do this every Friday, every home game. Like, there's only a handful of them. This will be a blast. We'll have a good time, and uh, everybody in the gym will have a good time. So, but that was neat. That was definitely an experience that definitely is going to shape up to be interesting postseason with those two teams and when and where and how and if they match up so we'll, that'll be something we'll definitely keep an eye on but keeping it moving tony what was your spotlight that you had this past week some games and some highlights yeah so went up to dubuque on tuesday night uh to see cedar rapids kennedy against dubuque senior 
Uh, Kennedy came away with a tw- an impressive 22-point win. Uh, senior shot like 53, 54% in the game, but Kennedy was able to force 21 turnovers that they turned into a whole slew of points. Um, and that was despite their their leading scorer, Colby Dolphin, only having two points in that game. Um, 6'6", junior Micah Schlock had a career-high 26 points. Uh, senior was kind of focusing in on Dolphin and uh, their other All-State guard, Kenzie Reed, and uh, they were able to to get or get Micah a bunch of open looks. Um, and I I think when you've got a team that has two All State guards who don't care if they score or not, that's going to make you pretty damn dangerous. Um, and I think they kind of cemented in my eyes the the number one spot in four A right now. I know that some people over in in Central Iowa may disagree, but let's not forget what Kennedy did to Northwest at the state tournament last year. Yeah, that's good. And, you know, going full circle, connecting all of that, it's obviously guard play come postseason is so, so huge. And so when you have the two guards that are willing to facilitate, take over when needed, um, it's going to be bode well for them. It'll be fun to keep an eye on Kennedy as we move through the rest of this month and into February. Tom, what's going on up in uh, your corner? Well, we're going to start off a week. uh, Last Monday, we had the East Healing Girl rematch. Yes, it was a great game. Uh, if you remember the first time, uh, East is a freshman team. They start three really studly freshmen. Uh, they were down 19 in the first game, came back and beat Healing at Healing by 10. Almost a reversal of fortune is the uh, Black Raiders got up 14 in the first half. Healing came back, hit a three with about six seconds left to put them up two and ended up pulling that one out. Uh, it was one of the best games I've seen. Well coached, well played, well officiated. It was a fun, fun night. And then the next night, uh, the Healand boys went out to East. Uh, another great game, two ranked teams. Uh, came down to the end. Uh, Black Raiders uh, pulled it out 66-60 to remain undefeated. And, uh, again, two, two really great nights of basketball. But the, my maybe the other game of the week was MOC Central Lion Friday night up at Central Lion. And uh, – that game uh, really took a turn. Uh, MOC got out early. They were up uh, 31-18 about halfway through the second quarter. And, again, we talk about, you know, what's acceptable, what's not. Uh, MOC kid gets a breakaway, makes a layup, and kind of is excited after the steal, makes a layup. And, and I don't want to say he got in the kid's face. I wasn't, I, I was, you know, wasn't five feet away, but he got called a technical for taunting. And that – just kind of shifted the momentum of that game. Uh, Central line came back and ended up. Here we go, blaming the refs. I'm not blaming the refs. I just want to know what's acceptable. What it sounds like to me. I we see taunting. We see, is is when kids make a three and point to the crowd and do all. Is that taunting? Pointing to the. I mean, what's taunting? What's not taunting? You can't taunt another kid though. You can't say something or point to another kid because as soon as you let that go as an official. Sure, I get it. You let that go, and then the next time, all of a sudden, he punches him or hits him in the stomach. Now, well, why why did you let it get out of control? Okay. So that's probably if you taunt if you taunt at all, it's automatic. You and I think he, he was I don't think he was pointing at his kid. He was just kind of <laughs> like Jack, like yeah, I just scored on you. Anyway, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was a great call. I'm not saying it wasn't. A, I'm not saying it was a bad call. I'm just saying that was a turning point of the game. Uh, Central Lions. Central line, central line is loaded. Uh, Zach Lutmer, you know, he's going to Iowa. He's a, he's got a little Cooper to Gene in him. Uh, they've got to Reese Vanderzee, a junior that uh, 
can explode. Andrew Austin, another kid, I think, is going to Iowa to play football and baseball. They're they are really athletic. They're they're loaded. Uh, so those are my three uh, the three top ones up here in Northwest Iowa last week. Yeah, uh, any controversy at the end of that East Healing game, or everything ship shape? Oh no, there was uh, you know there there's never an East Healing game that doesn't have a little <laughs> drama. You know, there's a a technical foul with about a minute left, uh, and not that it didn't you know it, it didn't make a difference. It was uh, um, both both teams played hard, both teams made plays when they needed to. It was just a good high school game. Has Raz Vanderloo ever been teed up? That's what I want. That's the question of the night. No, I don't think it's ever happened. And I hope Raz is listening. No, he's he he's had a few, but they were all unwarranted. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, hey, that I'd expect uh, If I can tell you this, well, I was playing at East High once. They had six guys on the court. They played with six guys and called a timeout while we had the ball. They had six guys on the court. And who do you think walked out of that with a technical? You're looking at him. <laughs> so, Brian, a. Hey. Can, can can we just do a little bird walk on this? Because I, I wanted to get to this, you know, from last week anyways. You know, me and Doug had, a, had our little debate at the end. And, uh, you know, Doug was getting all these props from all his referee friends. And, yeah, man, you stuck it to Larson. Way to go. And I, I just want to kind of reiterate that that is the exact problem of why I say technical fault because the referees should come into the gym thinking they're in control because they already have bias. They do. And, and one thing that I will go to my grave telling you is, and, and I could, I could take a whole show to tell you why I have a fighter's mentality, you know, um, is in terms of coaching, but let's not get into that. Let's just say, it's hard when you're coaching and you feel you feel dedicated to your community to your parents we were just talking about it to your kids to do all of these things and you're fighting your tail off to try and show them because you care a lot and the one thing i will tell you is they don't understand that your care is all week long typically a referee's care about you is for an hour and 20 minutes i'm going to give you a, a suggestion by a young coach up at spirit lake parker Mulder. Parker's a great young – he was a, a great basketball player at MOC. He, li he listens to us, so he's listening tonight. And uh, he said, you know, in the GPAC when he played up at Northwestern, he says officials talked more to the players than they did to the coaches. He yeah. says – and that's why he says you never saw technical fouls in the GPAC. He says because they were communicating with the players. And I, I don't know if that's the case in high school. I don't know if it should be the case in high school, but I think there's something to that that – the officials should, can almost coach more through talking to players through the game than getting into these discussions with coaches. You can do that in college. I wouldn't don't do that in high school. I would suggest every ref, keep your mouth shut and say as little as possible. And I was telling Chris, this, and I think I was texting with you, Chris, about it. When I first started, I wanted to be friends with all the coaches I, like I was trying to make friends with them and I learned after about a year, that's absolutely not the way to do it because they don't care about you either. They, they coaches, ref, refs are a necessary evil. And, you know, I was in there trying to make friends with them, talking all the time and communicating. And a mentor ref said, zip it, like stop talking. And he said, the less you talk, the better it'll be. And just, just officiate. 
Now, are you going to communicate with the coach once in a while? Yes. Obviously, you're going to, you know, if he's got questions, you're going to talk to him. But don't, don't, don't talk to the kids and try not to talk to any of the coaches or the crowd and just officiate and you'll be, you'll be so much better off. I, I just learned that just communicating in short sentences with coaches and they're so much, it, it's so much better. So it is different in college and high school for sure. The, the only argument I'd say there is, is number one, first of all, Doug, we love you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, uh, exactly. Number two, um, you know, we, all we hear about is all we hear about is a shortage of officials. So if you're, if, if a kid playing high school basketball has a positive relationship, because that, you know, I remember that we had that official and he always would talk us through the game and, and you know, things like that. Wouldn't that maybe help recruit a kid to become an official? Yeah. I, I think you just got to be careful though. Right. With, with what you're saying to kids anymore. I, and I have a great example of it. And I said the wrong thing at the wrong time. Um, it was, I think I can say the coach's name. He's not, he, the previous coach at Waukee, Justin, it was his, it was his first year at Waukee and he was at Drake previously. Right. Yep. And it was his first year at Waukee and he was coaching that game. I was officiating. He was coaching that game like a college game. And he was talking every single play up and down travels out of bounds. I mean, every little call he wanted it and he questioned everything. And I, and I, that's when I used to talk to the, the kids and I said, you need to tell your coach to shut up. Uh, yeah, that, that, that didn't go over real well. So the kid goes and tells the coach and the next day I get a phone call from the assigner and it, it taught me a lesson that I need to just not say as much to the kids. Yes, you can talk them out of a few things while you're officiating, but carrying on and trying to, to, to build a relationship with a player, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. And I, well, I, I that changed you know, the way. I just, I just think, I just think if you can coach them through the game, so they be, so they play the game the right way. I think, yeah, well, like similar things, like hands. You know, there's different things you can say as an official, but if you're trying to carry on a conversation with them, no, I, I just wouldn't do it. I think too, though, Doug, and I think you'd agree because this is how I know you. You carried yourself. Like it's one thing to think you're a military, like bodyguard or not like a, a police officer out there and it's a different thing to think you're like a guidance you know what I mean that you're still trying to 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 be in control but not to where you're stubborn and you're always right and you're you, you know what I mean like I think so I think some of that comes with a presence and really great officials have that presence where you know they're no no nonsense but yet you know they're also not jerks right and you can talk you want you want there to be a flow to the game Right. right. As an official, you want there to be a flow. So I'd always try to talk kids out of three seconds in the lane. You say, get out, get out, you know, simple terminology or moving screens. The first time you kind of let it go. The second time you just talk kids out and say, Hey, make sure you're set 24, make sure you're set. Don't, don't move on that. Cause no one wants to see a moving screen. That's it's yeah. your, you, and if you can keep that game flowing, that's as an official, that's, you want that game to get, over and you want it to to move along yeah you don't want it you don't want to be at the free throw line it's just it's no fun for anybody I think you but yeah you can coaches though too don't, don't you I mean I know when I coached one of the best things like there'd be a ref would make a call and come over and goes ah that's how I had it I don't know and I swear to god I never complained ever if that's what a ref said to me like if he came over and it's like ah that's what I had I, I'm not 
you know, it was, it was what I thought. I'd be like, all right, no problem. But when he comes over and goes, coach, that was a foul. And you know, you, and, and you're like, well, you don't know, like it's a, it's an arbitrary type of thing. So I'd always say, did I miss that one coach? I, I I'm, maybe I missed that one. I mean, if, right. if you can communicate that way to a coach, it makes, then you don't have anything to come back. With. But I think I mean, you could say that to a player too. be like, you know, I know when I ref in the summer, I'd say that, yeah, did I miss that one? And, you know, and yeah. then that's how you can develop that good relationship. Too. Right. And that's how you become a good official is communicating that with, mm-hmm. with coaches and players and, but, um, but building relationships, no, but you can, you can talk them through a game. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think that makes a huge difference too. When you can just communicate what you saw, like even just saying it isn't that you're trying to talk to, to one team more than the other, but like, Hey, I saw it's, you had them with the body underneath, you know, and just explaining like, Hey, you gotta be set on that screen. Like I, you know, like just saying those little types of things, I think makes a huge difference whether to the players or the coaches, you know, not getting too deep into the weeds of being like, Hey, yeah, come over here. I want to listen to all your complaints that you have to say. Like, we don't, we don't have time for that. Like, here's what we had. Here's what I saw. Here's what it is, you know? And then, you know, I think even with officiating compared to coaching is you got to be genuine to who you are too. I mean, you're going to see right through it. If you're not confident, if you're not comfortable, if you're trying to hide something, um, cover stuff up, it's the same thing in coaching. You're going to see right through it. So just come out and be true to yourself and Call what you see, call it as you see it, and uh, let's keep things moving. I always, my thing too, from more so on the youth level, was trying to find a way to continue to teach and keep the keep the the rules the same. Um, for example, there was several times in which that I was complaining because I wanted things called against my girls because they needed to learn. Coach, you're up 34. Coach, you're up 25. I'm like, hey, call them against us. Like we need to learn. Like I can't have my girls out there setting moving screens you know, just call them like, let's just, just blow the whistle clock runs anyway. Like we're all getting out here at the same time. And just those little things too, where you run into that, especially at that, that club level where it's, all right, let's hurry up and get this game over with, which I get, but we're, it's still about teaching and helping these players get better. My last point on that is it's amazing how many rules the coaches don't know. I mean, there's a lot of rules that they, they just don't know and they assume they know and they don't know. So sometimes you're going over there trying to explain the rule. It's like, well, this, this isn't a class. Like, I don't, that's your fault for not knowing the rule. So that, that it's coaches getting the rule book. That, that is so true though, Doug. Like, but it's fun too, as a coach, sometimes a ref will just say that to you casually and just like, be like, I, I was just telling one the other night when we were calling the Pella uh, in Norwalk game, like, so I had a ref who explained to me that there is no such thing in, in basketball as incidental contact. So like in football, you know, they'll say there's incidental contact, but like if you trip somebody, he was like that, that that's contact that, and it caused her to travel. So it's a problem. Like, cause I, I was like, well, yeah, but he didn't mean to, you know, it was incidental. And they're like, actually, that's not a thing, which doesn't matter. Those are the type of things that help your credibility though, too. That's good. We kind of feel like, you I, one of you guys mentioned it we can do a whole episode on this and we'll probably won't be the last time that it'll come up as it uh, continually does so my so I'll, I'll wrap up the spotlight this past week and i'm gonna go with the dowling girls ending johnston's 43 game winning streak um pretty impressive performance there uh it's not a huge surprise and one thing i'll say to kristen meyer the head coach over there just does an absolute 
fabulous job from scouting to execution. It's something that she is continues to actually be a thorn in, in the side of Johnston uh, as far as what they're doing. She always seems to come with something a little bit of a, a mix up, a little bit different to throw them off and um, combine that with some some talent and a home court advantage that I mentioned earlier in the pod and a really nice win for for Dowling on Friday to end the end the streak for the Dragons. So that was my spotlight this past week was Dowling's win over Johnston. Um, with that, let's move to the Monocle Minute. Tony, who do you got as your spotlight? Someone for us to kind of keep an eye on flying under the radar that uh, might need to take a little bit closer look at. Yeah, so I've talked a couple times about how crazy good um, Valley's 2025 class is. Um, just finished updating those rankings, and I've got five Valley Tigers in the top 19 in the state wow. for that class. Uh, so a kid in that group who's going to get overshadowed by some of his teammates is uh, Kyle Kaysen, who really jumped out when I was watching the film on Valley earlier this week. He's a, a six-foot off-ball guard who really, really shoots it well. Um, I think he's knocking down like 48 49% of his threes. Um, he's shown a little bit of, of secondary playmaking. Um so he's a he's a kid who plays with all Iowa attack during the summer with uh Luke Wieskamp, Joe's younger brother. Um so he's a he's a name to keep an eye on moving forward, who's probably gonna get overshadowed a little bit in that class that includes um Curtis Stinson and Kiki Dang and Zay Robinson. So he's overshadowed at his own school. Let's not let him get overshadowed by us. Hey, I like that. And talk about hitting their stride. Valley is a team we haven't mentioned on the pod yet, but they are just just rolling here lately. They're they're terrifying right now. Six of their top seven are sophomores, so they're they're kind of making an early statement here on what to expect the next few years. And not a team that you want to match up with in the postseason. Stay no. stay away. Stay away. Not, not with the way BJ coaches. No. So that will be interesting to keep an eye on Kyle, but keep an eye on those Tigers as well as they continue to move through January and we get into February. So with that, let's move to this week. So looking ahead now, uh, full slate of games again. It's just crazy going through as I was trying to attempt to narrow it down to one. I definitely don't have one. I'm going to run off a, a list of girls games again, but um Looking at the schedule, what do you have, Doug? What are you looking forward to this week and some of your yeah. matchups? Yeah, there are a bunch of games. Uh, PC actually has a big week, but um, they have Des Moines Christian on Monday, I believe. Yep. And then I think they go Tuesday, Friday. So they have, they have three big, big games. So we'll kind of see where they stand. But my game of the week around here is Linville Sully plays North Mahaska on Friday night. Um, they both have one loss. That'll be huge sellout gym. I'm actually going to try to get up there on Friday night to, to see that, but Linville Sully versus North Mahaska. So, you know, I was kind of reflecting on this and, uh, one thing I think I probably have not done, it's been fair. I've almost, I've out homered the Homer or whatever that is. I haven't talked at all about Norwalk and, um, I, I obviously they're, they're near and dear to my heart, but they're playing really good basketball. And uh, so my, my spotlight this week, they play Pella Christian on Tuesday, who we've talked a little bit about. Pella Christian's playing great basketball since the break in particular. Um, just really imp- continuing to, to be uh, impressed by with, with what JD does over there. And then 
Friday night's probably my favorite season nowadays. Um, it's the Warren County rivalry, and it, it's just fun because we are 10 miles apart. Indianola is coming to Norwalk's new gym, and um, I, man, I don't know, and I've kind of uh, done this intentionally. I have not asked when King Reed's coming back, but I sure hope he's back this week. Not because, you know what I mean? I just want to see all the best players in Warren County um, getting after it. And uh, it, Norwalk in particular, just the job Coach Pelzer and the staff has been doing, um, uh, you know, and one of your old buddies, Coach Seagrass, coming over from Valley and coaching on the boys' side. Uh, not only his son's, son's a, a really solid player off the bench, but uh, Reddick Bourne has almost had a triple-double in three games since the break. And um, I, I will tell you, uh, Reddick gets overshadowed by his brother so much. And uh, I've told people this for a long time. Bowen is so much more uniquely gifted than what people understand. Like what he did was so much more than just, oh, he's just, you know, everyone, I, I've had so many people who are like, oh, I got a little guard too. And so I want to know, like, he was so ridiculously talented that I think it'd be really hard to be Reddick's or it, put, put myself in Reddick's shoes. But what Reddick's done now, it, I would say in the, and Doug, you, you were at the game the other night and I think you can start to see it. He's really starting to play his game now, not trying to be Bowen. And uh, what his game, he, he's more of a Scotty Pippen, right? As opposed to this, this big score. He, he just does a little bit of everything. He posts up as a guard. He runs the show. He, he's a great passer. He's, he can knock down shots and do all that too. And then he's typically guarding the other team's best perimeter player. And so um, I just felt like I needed to use my time this week to really shout out Norwalk and some of the things that uh, they're doing. And uh I know, I know Tony had put out his rankings. I don't know what the 4A rankings will be. Um, Dowling kind of snuck in there at number 10. And I think uh, Norwalk has a great uh, shot this week to really show that, that, that they're up even, you know, if they can get a big win over Pella Christian and then um, they play Indianola, as we said, and then Saturday they play at Ames. So what a great week. Uh, we're sitting at 10 and three. If you come out of that week with three wins, then all of a sudden you start uh getting the attention of the 4A people. So we talked with Coach Schertz uh, from Ballard on the podcast this past week, and he had high praises of Norwalk, too, just said they're just a good, solid team. Same thing of yeah. with Bourne, too. He said he's just a solid player, like just spoke highly of him. And so that'll be he, – he had, he had made that comment. And then I had also heard uh, Kingery's trying – he wanted – so he wanted to try to play last Friday. Yeah. Um and it sounded like that was maybe a little early on everyone's book. And then the date that I heard was the 27th. So that would be Friday. Hey, um, hey, let's go. So let's, <laughs> let's see if that all comes together or not. Obviously. Get down to Warren County. Hey, can you guys pack the gym over there at least? Fill that new gym. Let's do it, right? I, I hope everybody who's listening to Warren County, it should be sold out. You know, it should be packed. Student sections on each end. Let's go. It's it's going to be a great night. That will be fun. That'll be a good matchup for sure. Tony, what do you got for your games of the week? Gamer yeah, games. Friday night, we got the the big rivalry in Iowa City, City West Part Two. Uh, City beat West uh, a couple weeks ago on a last second shot. So West, who's kind of been skidding a little bit here lately, will be trying to get some revenge there. Uh, but the game I'm really looking forward to is Saturday evening. Uh, 1A, number one 
in my rankings. I think number two in the association, uh, North Lynn travels to Dunkerton uh, in a really good 1A game there. Uh, a couple of teams that really like to play up pace. Uh, so it should be a should be a little bit of a track meet. I'm hoping that uh, Casey Gardner is back for Dunkerton in that one. Um, but yeah, should be a, a nice, nice litmus test there for Dunkerton to see how good they really are against that Northland pressure. That's exactly what I was going to say, too. What, have you seen much of Dunkerton yet to know kind of where they're at? They were at that event at Co that I was at um, last weekend, but that was their first game playing without Casey. So they were, it took them a little while to get going, but they've, they've got a six, four wing uh, Preston Gillespie, who's been putting up some, some crazy numbers. Uh, he had 40 and 20 the other night. So even if, even if Casey's not back, uh, it'll be, it'll be a tough matchup for Northland with Gillespie there. Yeah, that'll be a, a big matchup. That and that one's on Saturday. That's awesome. That'll be, like you said, good for both teams to kind of measure and see exactly where we're at as they start their playoff push. Um, what you said, Iowa City West City. Sorry, go ahead, Larson. No, I just you were talking on one uh, A just for a second. I wanted to make sure we also got a talk. I don't know if anybody saw that. I kind of sneak in those Saturday games. Grandview beat DCG by twenty on uh, Saturday. Oh, I did see that. Yeah, and so uh, just sorry. I mean, they, they are, you know, they are toughening up their schedule and uh, I, I think it's paying a lot of dividends. So could be a, a rematch of that title game, you know, and they, they might be on a collision course. I think that you uh, just, just broke the 56 minute streak of not mentioning Grandview Christian on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was, hey, they just, that's a huge win. It, no, I agree. And I did see that too. And I thought the same thing that helped me make note of that. Obviously I didn't. So I appreciate you bringing that up, but that was a, a big time win for them. Um, Tony with Iowa city, Iowa city West, do they have Waterloo West? Cause I got, so the girls matchup is going to be a big one. Iowa city West versus Waterloo West. Um, I don't yep. know anything about the Waterloo West boys. So do you, what does that going to be anything to keep an eye on or not? So Waterloo West has been kind of ranked right around the top 10 the last couple of weeks. Um, they got blown out by Xavier last week or two weeks ago. Um, they, I, they had some sort of skirmish after their game against oh, Waterloo right. East. And I think they had some kids suspended for that game. So if they're back to full strength, they're, they're a formidable team. Yeah. So it yeah, should be a that, good one there on Tuesday night for the boys too. Yeah, I thought so. I was that uh, the, the girls game should be, should be a good one. Um, the, the boys game as well. Those two teams that, you're going to have some athletes and some toughness out there. And so it'll be cool to see how everything shakes out on Tuesday. Tom, what do you got for us? What are you looking oh. forward to Hello? out there? Hey, so I thought us. you forgot about me. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? And speaking about forgetting about people, game of the week, Denison and Harlan. Denison uh, and Harlan. Uh, we've kind of forgot about Southwest Iowa a little bit this, uh, this year, not only in three rankings, but on this show, uh, maybe, it, and maybe our fault a little bit, but, uh, that's a huge rivalry game this week. Uh, Denison's nine and two Harlan's eight and three. First time around Denison got them in Denison 75 51. They play at Harlan on uh, Tuesday night. And, uh, so, and we haven't talked a lot about that little pocket of the state, but that'll be a heck of a game. And then on Saturday, Western Christian comes down to the home of the Crusaders at Helan. Helan had given them their only loss of the year earlier this year up at uh, Western. So I'm sure revenge is on the mind of the uh, 
Western Westerners is they'll come into Sioux City on Saturday. So those are uh, those are kind of the two that I'm looking forward to. What can you tell me about Sioux City, the Heelan versus Lamar's on the girls' side? Know anything about uh, that matchup? Uh, well, absolutely. That's been a Lamar's is, you know, uh, I've watched, I've seen those guys play a lot. Lamar's is young, uh, but they're feisty and they're tough. They're just not very deep. And they seem to hang with Heelan for a little bit until they kind of get in foul trouble. That's been the case the last two to three times they played. So Tuesday night, uh, I'm looking forward to that game too, because that's always a pretty entertaining game. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see what shakes out. The other yeah. one, too, this is a little bit stretch for you. It's moving more towards the center part of the state. But, uh, again, staying on the girls' side, something to keep an eye on, Tom. Uh, Esterville plays Spencer. Obviously, Esterville girls really well. Um, Spencer, top, I think, top 10 team for sure, too. Um, so that one should be a good one. I got noted on here on the girls' side, too. I will, uh, I will, I will report back. Perfect. That's all. That's all we can ask for, Tom. We appreciate you digging into this homework for us and making sure that everybody feels like they're being watched and being listened and covered by the hoop troop. Um, Adams game of the week. It was more taking taking kind of Doug's approach here. I would say more of a team of the week. Adam wanted to make sure that we we brought up AP and Tony would look for some insight too as far as how good the Falcons are playing. But AP has Gladbrook on Tuesday and I believe Wapsie Valley on Friday. And so those were Adam's uh, noted games of the week that he's excited for. And so what can you give us on a quick breakdown of those two matchups for the Falcons, Tony? Yeah, big week for, for AP coming up. Um, I think each of those teams only has one loss. Um, so obviously some good competition there. Um, AP has been really impressive this year. Um, their, their guards are, are really tough to handle in two A, and they, they added a big kid from Waterloo East, uh, Martez Wigley, who's kind of given them some physicality and size in the paint that they really needed. So they've they've turned into a really well-rounded team with with a lot of weapons who can who can beat you. So should be a, a good test here for for AP this week. And I think they actually have a game against Grandview at the end of the year too. So that'll be one oh, to really? keep an eye on here in a few weeks. They just are beefing up that schedule over there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, February 7th, Grandview at AP. I know where I'll be. Yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be good. I think that's one of the fun things, though, too, with it not being – just with all the seeding systems change, I think people are way more apt to want to schedule tough games because they they know it's not like, oh, we got to just be stacking up wins. Yeah, I agree. I think so, too. I think it, it just adds to the preparation that goes into it, and I think we'll ultimately make a – better postseason too because it's a little bit more tried and tried and tested before we before you match up with some of these tougher teams so good all right so we've mentioned a few of my game of the weeks i'm going to go through a, a run of girls games and i also want a little bit of your guys's help help too as i go through this um one that i have on my list dowling and ankeny i mean any matchup really in the ciml is is a big one but dowling and ankeny girls will be will be an awesome one especially see how dowling responds after that win over johnston um and then larson huxley and carlisle yeah so that's a top two top five matchup there in 4a um i know carlisle that young the yeah. freshman you you were pretty impressed with her well i know i know carlisle beat him the first time and that kind of initially got my attention and um you know obviously carlisle being in warren county and uh old oscaloosa coach brian white coaching him but um 
Camito, uh, they're freshmen. Mason, Mason, they tell me. Yeah, Mason. Her last name's Camito. Yep. Uh, I was just super impressed with her this week when I got a chance to see her play. Not just, um, I, I don't want this to, to come across negatively to any of the girls listening or any of their coaches, but her floor game was so good. And I think to me, those are the really special, unique, talented girls, right? When they can, can do a little bit of everything, like they're out there and, and they just, it's like uh, blood in the water when somebody who can't handle the ball because they're going to steal it from them. And they're quick and she she had full of jumper in her game she shot it pretty well and and she had to probably have seven or eight assists and i just i had heard really good things about her um and they have some other really good players and good athletes on their team as well so that'll be a huge one though because i know uh ballard will be looking for revenge after that first game and ballard's also very good very good yeah that'll be a, a good matchup and you're right i mean she, she's got a high level of iq you can yeah. tell she's competitive um that she wants to get after and wants to make plays and uh, is skilled too especially for a freshman she's got um you know her feet underneath of her she's uh, balanced and, and is able to make plays which is which is awesome and fun to see so that'll be a good the girl from winterset um uh God, no. uh she's a senior this year um uh it'll come to me and i'll come to a super good player and she's going to iowa for softball Unfortunately, she uh, had a knee injury, and so she is out. Oh, that's a bummer. Um, let me, I'll grab her name. But uh, that just, just, and it's really fun to watch those girls who um, just, just really get after it. Yeah, 100% agree. Uh, looking down your way, Doug, keep an eye out. No, what can you tell me about the Pella Grinnell girls matchup? That should be a good one. That actually will be. Um, that's pr probably Pella's biggest rivalry, girls' rivalry. Um, the thing is, Grinnell, you know what they say about a rivalry, though. Grinnell has probably won the last 12 games. Oh. So it'll be it'll be a, a good one. Um, I know they got beat last time, but Pella's that's uh that's a game they have circled. So it'll be uh it'll be a fun one. I think that's Friday night, or is that Friday. Tuesday? Friday night, yeah. Friday, so yeah. It'll be a fun one. Yeah, that'll There's be all sorts of coaching uh interactions there. Uh with the Pella Pella girls coach Blaine Blaine Forsythe, his brother-in-law with so his wife is Brandon and Scott Sharp, the boys coaches, sister, and daughter. So I mean, it, it, you gotta have bragging rights, you know, at Easter Easter dinner. There you go. <laughs> he has no bragging rights right now because he hasn't beaten them. <laughs> that, that could change. That could change. Keep an eye on that one. Uh, another team, if we're looking at team, Clear Creek, Amanda has two big games. They play Vinton Shellsburg uh, and Benton this week. Those will are, will be huge games for Clear Creek. See where they're at. Uh, a, a good witness test of a team that's regularly find themselves down here in Des Moines come March. So I'll be interested to see uh, what happens with Clear, Clear Creek uh, after the end of this week. Then Johnson has to bounce back and play Centennial on Friday. That'll be a, a nice matchup with the Jaguars. And then the last one I have on my list is Algona Garrigan. Um, the number one team in 1A will take on, actually, I think they're number two because they lost up in Minneapolis, but uh, they take on North Union. Um, who's also a, a, a nice team in 1A up just uh, 15, 20 minutes up the road from from Algona. And so that'll be one of the girls' game that I want to take an eye on. Yeah, Larson. I just, Jenna Young. 
Jenna okay. Young is the girl from Winter from Winter Set. Um, yeah, she'll be she. They won a state title in uh, in uh, in softball. I think she'll be playing softball there. Just a terrible end, though. Like she is the epitome of the Iowa girl, and and just a phenomenal athlete. So um, you know, just a little shout out to her as, as she kind of had to finish up her senior year on a, on a rough note for basketball. Yeah, that is too bad. Never never want to see a season or a career end like that. That's for sure. Um, well, good. Now all of you guys have a have a little bit of assignment on the girls' side this week too. Tom, you got something to add, or you just you're nodding along? You're I'm just grants. nodding. And I'm waiting for a couple shout outs. Okay, good, because that's where we're heading next. But before we get to the shout outs, we do have to talk about Doug's three A pick of the week. Um, so I'm anxious to see what you have to say, Doug. But I also think that there's maybe a little of the there's some chop in the water with the Blue Jays. What's well, going on? I'm, I'm still on the Blue Jays bandwagon, but I do have a little beef with them. I, their last three wins, let's see, they beat ADM the other night by seven. Uh, six and six Ballard team by nine. They clipped Winterset. I think they were down to Winterset. What I would love to see Bondurant this week is have a couple blowout wins and kind of establish that. You got Carl, who they got? They got Boone on Tuesday and they got Carlisle on Friday. Great opportunities. Let's have 20, 20, maybe 35 point leads. Let's get a running clock going here. So Bondurant Blue Jays, I'm still on your bandwagon, but we need, we need to step it up here a little bit. D Doug needs to see the turbo clock. Otherwise he might be jumping off the bandwagon here. Let's go Blue Jays. Get it going. All right, uh, Tom, we need some shout outs. What do we got for shout outs this week? Number number one <laughs> is Belmont Femi. Yep. Yeah. They broke a 38 game losing streak. Hey, yeah. like that. Yeah. The Broncos beat Clarion Goldfield 60 to 56. I uh, picked that up off Bud Legs Twitter the other night. I thought that is a great shout out. Congratulations. Awesome. We buried the lead. We just. Should have started with that. Coach Justin Meyer, that's a, that's a, that's great. Uh, shout out number two. Today in church, I was in uh, uh, Elkhorn, Nebraska. And I looked to my left, and there's Cooper DeGene and his family at church. Of course, Catholic church, the only way to go. Um, but on the way out, I, I, I got to chat with him for just a real quick second. But his brother is a senior at uh battle creek out of grove they're undefeated 12 and 0 and i said i'm giving you a shout out tonight uh for the uh the falcons from odable arthur battle creek out of grove okay so 12 and 0 um and i think beckett's also going to iowa to play some football so i was kind of surprised though as i was at church that nobody was trying to kidnap cooper from nebraska that's true i mean i would have um <laughs> and then my last, not really a shout out, but I can't believe we didn't talk about this. The St Chris Street uh, special oh, yeah. this week. So good. It was awesome. And I know you, a lot of you guys are so young. You, some of you, let me ask you this. Were any of you guys not born when that happened? Because <laughs> you guys are young, some of you. No, I, it's funny you say that because I was talking with my parents about it who watched it and we were kind of going over it. And I told them, I'm like, I remember sitting in the kitchen watching the news come on KMT out of Mason City and just being just absolutely heartbroken because yeah. we were at Carver uh, just probably two or three weeks prior and, you know, watched 
Troy Skinner and AC and Chris and had their signatures and had them up on my wall and all that stuff. And so yeah. they were even surprised. They're like, you remember that? I'm like, oh, I remember it like it was yesterday because I was young enough to not fully understand. Like, how does a snow plot like what is it? like wait, he's not coming back like the whole thing, but getting to kind of see everything come full circle. Uh, you know, we talked with uh, Kenny Murray on our podcast too, and he kind of explained that night on our pod as well. And it was just yeah. kind of connecting all these dots and seeing this whole story come together. It's it's a special one. Absolutely, it was, and they uh, Big Ten Network, boy, did they do a good job. Yeah, Tom, that was a good call. Um, I just wanted to add uh, Betsy, who, if you watch the show, you everyone would know Chris's sister. Her children go to uh, Lakewood, my the school I work at. And so I've got to work with all three of them. And uh, just, uh, I, I, I just told her what great courage by the family to share story. Um, and that was right when I came to Iowa. And, and so seeing Iowa by, bas high school basketball in particular since then, you just really see his value set and work ethic um, that there's a lot of people who take pride in that. And, uh, you know, I wasn't here before then. I'm sure there are many others. But um, he definitely uh, established a pretty high bar with kids, and uh, and uh, he'd be awfully proud. He's got some good uh, niece, a niece and two nephews coming up, so uh, good stuff. Yep, that's that's awesome. And along those lines too, one other thing that happened this week that I'm, I'm a, a little surprised that we forgot or missed. It seemed to get definitely some some interest and some love on Twitter. Was uh, Doug, and maybe you can help me out with this too. Mount Vernon and Stolen. The, the officials from that game went ahead and donated their paychecks um, back to help with the cancer relief that was going on for a local family there that night. And so that was, that was a really cool story and neat to see. I don't know the full extent of, of that story, but I, I did notice that getting its run on Twitter, which it is well-deserved and should have. And so kudos to those guys. If I would have thought further ahead, we would have found some names, but that was pretty awesome. I assume all of you guys saw that as well. Yeah, really good stuff. Perfect. Well, with that, then we got to end with maybe some people's absolute favorite segment, and that is story time with Uncle Larson. He's been scouring things that have been going on throughout the state in the game of basketball, too. And so he's got a topic prepared for us. At least I hope he does, because I just did this I huge, I did this and, huge and intro. Uh, speaking of Doug talking about, you know, needing blowouts from Bondurant. And I know I, I did this as a coach too. Tom, I almost am going to guarantee you did it too. But we got to put an end to running clocks come on, or even if it's a 30-point game. And these poor kids who never get to play get out there. And now I saw it this week. The team drew out the shot clock, and they didn't want to shoot because they didn't want to show up. And so they dribbled it out and you know took the turnover like they do in college. And then the other team was like, whoa, 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 like slowing them down in a different game. These kids never get to play. Let them play the entire up. And that's not bad sportsmanship. I promise no. you just play till zeros. And if this little guy who's not a great shooter, that's why he's not playing, gets a chance to chuck one up there and it goes in. No one should be mad about that. No. Couldn't agree. 100% agree. But then let's change it because everybody does it. Everybody's like, whoa, whoa, stop. No, just play. I'm telling you even more. Like, hurry up and shoot more. Like, hurry up. Get, get as many possessions as you can for those kids. 
That's that's a good one. Doug, you look like you got something that you want to say to that. I, I actually will bring something up uh, about that. Um, and I'll try not to get emotional about this because I have a daughter who has special needs. And she is a freshman and she's on the JV team and she goes to every single practice. And at the end of games, if, if it's a blowout, um, they'll put her in. And with maybe 30 seconds left, and she'll get in there and check in. And the other teams have been awesome. And they let her shoot until she makes a shot. And then she'll go back down the other end and play a little defense. But um, it, it's been incredible from my perspective and our family to let Lucy get in the games and, and play. And Chris actually saw her make a shot the other night. And it just it's it's something special when you have um coaches that allow that and then the other team then the girls actually cheer for her so um it, it I, I agree with you Chris just let those kids that don't normally get a play let them in let them shoot and just keep playing until the clock hits zero so um couldn't agree with you more hey but I, I want everybody to make sure we know Lucy her shot she had a little spin you could tell Doug's coach on her shot no defense down there, though. Doug, Doug doesn't teach defense to anybody, right? She, <laughs> you just shoot it, baby. But no, Can't she score if you don't shoot it. It was, it was awesome. And how great is it on a Friday night to sit there and everyone just feel good and cheer her on? Like, that's it. We should all feel great about it. Yep. That's that's what it's all about. At the end of the day, is being able to impact, change lives through a sport that we all love, and and hopefully that is happening each and every day in each and every gym across our great state. And we appreciate everybody listening and sticking with us. It's been a lot of fun. Signing off as always. Shoot or shoot. Guess like we weren't supposed to come up with something this clean. <laughs> you know, like something happened.